in order to provide for our peace. He doesn't have to do anything more to provide for your joy. He doesn't have to climb back up on the cross in order to provide for your healing or to provide for your pardon or to provide for whatever it is you need because it's all been done, finished and completed on Calvary's cross. Amen? That's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at the finished work of Jesus Christ. In the last three words that He spoke before He gave up His Spirit to the Father, it is Finished. How many of you are thankful for the finished work and the completed work of Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. If you were here last week, you know me, I got all excited and worked up and I promised myself that I was going to try to take it easy this morning. But the word that I have this morning, I know is from the Lord and I pray that we're willing to receive. So, Father God, in Jesus name, we just thank you that you are in this place this morning. I thank you, Father God, for chains that have already been broken. I thank you, God, for lives that have already been changed. I thank you, God, for freedom that has already been experienced by some of your people in the house this morning. So, God, I pray that you would just finish the work that you've started this morning. That you would complete the work, God, that you want to have done in your house and in the lives of your people this morning. I thank you that it's been completed on Calvary's cross. I thank you, Father, that all of our past doesn't count anymore as long as it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. God, as always, I submit myself to you and ask that you would anoint me and above that, that you would arrest me. That I would come under complete control of your Holy Spirit. Every word, every thought, every action, every move. God, everything that takes place in your house this morning. Let it be done under the unction and the leading and the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit under your authority and not my own. Anoint your people this morning as well. Give them ears to hear, Father God. Give them revelation. Give them understanding. Help them to receive every word that is spoken, God, with gladness. We come against every hindering spirit, every distracting spirit. Every depressing and doubting spirit in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would free us this morning. Be free to receive. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we just bless him one more time this morning, church? Amen. Like I said, the title of my message is from John chapter 19, verse 30. It's where we find Jesus hanging on the cross. He's close to his last breath. He's already uttered seven or or five other words. And and here it says that a jar full of vinegar was standing there near to the cross. And someone in the crowd put a sponge full of wine vinegar upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to Jesus's mouth. And when Jesus had received the vinegar, he cried out, it is finished. How many of you glad Jesus finished what he started When he stepped off the throne of glory, amen? When he decided to become flesh and make his dwelling place among us. How many of you are glad that he finished what he started when he set out to redeem us, church, and purchase us from the foe? How many of you are glad? Amen. I thought I'm the only one that's glad this morning. I'm glad. I'm glad that he finished what he started, church. He didn't stop when things got tough. He didn't stop when life got rough. 
He didn't stop when he was reviled or rejected or even despised by men. He finished what he started, church. And because he did, because he finished what he started, we're now able to stand blameless before the Father with great joy. Because he finished what he started, we're able to come boldly into his throne room of grace so that we can find help in our time of need. Because he finished what he started, we're able to be strong and courageous in the middle of the battle and in the middle of the fight. Because he finished what he started, church, we are able to be still and know that he's God. How many of you are thankful that he finished what he started? You see, there's times when when the enemy will be round about you. There's times when the enemy will come against you. There's times in your life when you need to be able to be still and know that he's God. And the only way that you'll be able to be still is trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Trusting that he did everything that he needed for us pertaining to life and righteousness, church. We are able to be still and know that he is God because he it is finished. There's nothing more to be done for us by Christ because he did it all at Calvary. But one of the reasons that I felt compelled or led to bring this word this morning is far too often we don't live that way, church. Far too often we don't live like it's finished. Far too often we don't talk or confess like it's finished. Far too often we don't live and move and breathe like Jesus finished his work on Calvary's cross. Far too often we don't even pray like it's finished. Far too often our prayers are filled with doubt and filled with unbelief and they're filled with frustration and they're filled with worry instead of with faith and trust and hope in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Far too often we find our emotions controlling us. You ever been there, church, where your emotions control you? You ever been in that place where your nerves seem to enslave you? That's because we don't understand the finished work of Jesus Christ. Far too often the children of God and the people of God, we can't sleep and we we can't work and we can't think straight and we, we can't eat, church. We struggle and we strive and we cannot find our rest. We can't figure out how to be still and know that He's God simply because we don't understand the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. Far too often we live like Jesus still owes us something, church. Far too often we live like Jesus has to climb back up on the cross, like he has to suffer again and has to die again and has to be sentenced again and and has to rise up again. But I want you to know that 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, Jesus finished the work. He doesn't have to do anything more to provide for your healing. Doesn't have to do anything more to provide for your peace. Amen. He doesn't have to do anything more to provide for your pardon or your forgiveness. It was all completed, finished on Calvary's cross. And what God wants us to do is start living that way. You see, last week, the title of my message was, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. The heart behind this message this morning is God wants His people to live so. He wants you to live like you're redeemed. He wants you to worship like you're redeemed. He wants you to act and live and move and breathe like everything Christ had to do for you has already been done on Calvary's cross. 
He wants your words to reflect that and your life to reflect that and your praise and your service and your worship to reflect the fact that everything Jesus needed to do was finished on Calvary's cross. I want you to know this morning that God finishes what he starts. Amen. And 2000 years ago, he finished. Jesus finished what he started on Calvary's cross. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I serve a God that finishes what he starts. Amen. He completed his work on Calvary's cross all the way back in the beginning of time. If you look at Genesis chapter 2, 2, it tells us that by the seventh day, God finished the work that he had been doing. And on the seventh day, it says he rested from all of his labors. Why? Because he finished what he started. And the Bible also goes on to tell me that everything he did was good. Amen. You see, I want you to know this morning that everything God starts is good. And everything that God finishes is very good. Because if you read at the very end of creation, God looked upon everything that he had done all the way through Genesis chapter 2 and 3. It says it was good. But when he was finished and he stood back and he rested and ceased from all of his labors, the Bible says he looked out upon everything that he had done and it was very good. I want you to know this morning that everything God finishes is very good. Amen. Amen. Worthy of some praise. I want you to know that everything he starts is good. Everything he does along the way is good. And everything that he finishes is very good. The Bible says he completed his creation by the seventh day and nothing was left undone. Nothing was incomplete. Nothing still had to be accomplished. No longer was anything void. No longer was anything without shape. If you know the word of God, and I hope you do, and when it tells the story of creation, it tells us that in the beginning, everything was without form. Everything was without shape. It tells us that everything was empty and everything was void. But by the time God finished what he started, everything had shape. Everything had purpose. Everything, church, was fulfilled. Nothing was undone. Nothing was incomplete. Nothing was empty and nothing was without form. You see, I want to encourage you to let God speak into your life just like he spoke into creation. I want you to allow him to speak into your mess, speak into your marriage, speak into your heart, speak into your circumstances and situations and let him make something out of nothing. Let him bring some shape to that which has no shape. Let him fill that which is empty. When God starts something, he finishes it. And at the beginning of creation, God finished what he started. And the Bible says he rested after all of his work. It was finished. He didn't forget to hang a single star in the sky. He didn't leave a single planet out of place. He didn't forget to spin the earth and caused the, 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 the rest of the universe to rotate church. He didn't fail to forge a single valley. He didn't forget to sculpt a single mountain. He didn't forget to tap a single well. He didn't forget to fill a single sea. He didn't forget to clothe the fields with flowers. He didn't forget to put feathers on the birds or fur on the animals. He didn't forget a single thing, church. He finished the work that he started because God finishes everything that he starts. I want you to know that God didn't grow weary after day one. 
Didn't grow weary after day two or three or four. He didn't grow weary or tire from the task church. He finished the work, the Bible says, and it was a very good work. And then the Bible says, after he had finished all of his work, on the seventh day, it says he rested. And it's not the kind of rest you might be thinking. God wasn't worn out. I want you to understand God didn't get pooped after scooping out one of the one of the the valleys. He didn't tire and wasn't weary after he finished sculpting Mount Everest or, or digging out the Grand Canyon. I want you to know that he didn't grow weary. The Bible just says he rested from all of his labors because everything was done. That's how good our God is. He doesn't stop till he finishes. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't grow tired working on you or working for you. He finishes what he starts. Amen. Does not grow weary. He ceased from all of his labors. And the reality is, listen to me, it's exactly what God wants from you. And He wants for you. He wants you to stop striving. He wants you to stop laboring for the things you think you need. Have you ever been in that place where you're just striving and striving, working and working, and it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere or advancing, especially in spiritual things? Let me encourage you, it's at those times where you need to just be still and trust in the finished work of God. Rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ. Listen, the reason you can't sleep, the reason you can't eat, the reason your emotions are all over the place, the reason you're up one day and down the next is because you're striving in your own work. You're laboring under your own work and under your own abilities instead of just being still and trusting in the fact that it is finished. It's finished. You don't have to strive to be accepted by God. You're accepted through the blood of Jesus Christ. You don't have to perform for your pardon. I'll perform God and make Him happy. That's not how you receive your pardon. You receive your pardon by receiving and believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. But we can't find rest and we can't find peace because we think we got to earn it. We think we got to perform for it. We think we got to do something for it. We got to dress up nice for it. Listen, Jesus finished it on Calvary's cross. And the only thing my Bible tells me to receive my pardon is to believe it and receive it. Amen. But our biggest problem is we don't believe it. The reason that we're such a mess sometimes is we just don't believe the finished work of Jesus Christ. We, we act like it wasn't enough for the Father. We act like what Christ did on Calvary's cross 2,000 years ago was not enough to satisfy God. But God was the one, the Son of God was the one that cried out 2,000 years ago, It is finished! Amen. God finishes what He starts. Please understand. That God wants us to have rest in the fact that Jesus left nothing undone. 
He left nothing incomplete. He left nothing unfinished on Calvary's cross. He finished it, church. But like I said, unfortunately, far too often, we can't find that rest. We can't find that joy. We can't find that peace. We can't find that peace of mind. We can't find that stillness in our heart. We can't find hope. We can't find sleep. We just can't find what we need because we just don't understand the power that's behind those three words. It is finished. I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, hanging on an old rugged cross on a country hillside called Golgotha Church, Jesus finished what he started just like the Father did at the dawn of creation. He finished what he started. The reality is... Jesus didn't give up when most most of his disciples left him. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I'm glad that Jesus didn't quit when Judas betrayed him. I'm glad he didn't throw in the towel when Peter denied him three times before the cock crowed and before and, and, and when the people said crucify him. I'm glad that he didn't stop halfway up, up Golgotha's hill when he stumbled and he fell. And the weight of the cross became so heavy he could hardly bear it. But he kept on, church, because God finishes what he starts. He didn't forsake us, give up on us when he was beaten, battered, and bruised. He didn't turn his back on us. He didn't resign from his mission. He didn't curtail his call when he was nailed up high on an old rugged cross. He finished what he started and nothing was left undone and nothing was incomplete. If you know anything about what took place on Calvary's cross, part of the reason that Jesus said it is finished is is, there's several reasons. But one of them is that his father's counsel was complete. If you know about Jesus and you know about scripture, the Bible tells us that Jesus never spoke anything lest his father bid him to speak it. Jesus never did anything lest his father told him to do it. Jesus never went anywhere unless his father told him to go there. He didn't go to this town or that town. He didn't lay hands on somebody. He didn't speak a word unless his father counseled him to do so. But here on Calvary's cross, the father's counsel was complete. Every word the father ever had to speak to his son was completed on Calvary's cross. And he fulfilled his father's counsel. 2,000 years ago, he finished the Father's will. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, while he was tasting of the bitter cup, he said, oh, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. And because of it, we're free. So 2,000 years ago, it is finished meant that Jesus finished the Father's will. He did completely what the Father told him to do. There was not one ounce of disobedience in Jesus Christ. It is finished. It meant that every prophecy that you've ever read in the Old Testament that related to the suffering servant, that related to the cross of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion, it was all now fulfilled, was done. There's still prophecies about his coming and and the future, but up until then, the crucifixion and the suffering servant, it was all fulfilled. It is finished. It is finished. It meant that his suffering was over. It meant that his pain was over. It meant that the punishment and the wrath, church, that was stored up for us, it was over for Jesus Christ. It is finished. Every type and shadow 
Do you know anything about the Old Testament? Everything was in types and shadows. It always had a, 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 a shadow of things to come concerning Christ, concerning the precious Lamb of God that would come to take away the sins of the world. It was a shadow and a type. Every single one of them were fulfilled on Calvary's cross. It is finished. Everything pertaining to life and righteousness Everything pertaining to our forgiveness, everything pertaining to our pardon, everything that we need to live the life that God's called us to live, it was provided on Calvary's cross. It is finished. And I want you to know that Jesus fulfilled that promise and He worked until the work was done. Amen? How many of you are glad that Jesus kept working until it was done? Because if He had stopped working, we wouldn't be here today. But He finished it, church. According to Matthew 20, 22, He drank the entire cup of suffering. I'll use this as a prop. Jesus drank the entire cup of suffering. But it was our suffering, church, that Jesus drank from. It was our suffering, That Jesus took upon himself. Remember, he was wounded for whose transgressions? Ours. He was bruised for whose iniquity? Ours. The punishment for his peace was on, or or for our peace was on his shoulders and by his stripes we are healed, church. He drank of our cup. He didn't just sip of the suffering. He didn't just, let's have a taste. Oh, that's too bitter. And put it aside. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want that wrath. I don't want that punishment. He drank it all. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And the Bible says he drank the entire cup of our suffering. He drank all of the pain. He drank all of the guilt. He drank all of the shame. I hope you understand that that the, the crucifixion, the cross, it was one of the most shameful places on the earth. The symbol of shame was a symbol of guilt. A symbol of filthiness and and dirtiness, church. But Jesus drank all of it. He drank all of the shame, all of the guilt, all of the uh, uh, condemnation so that we would not have to. Jesus drank the bitter cup so you wouldn't have to. He drank the bitter cup so I wouldn't have to. He drank the bitter cup so our kids wouldn't have to and our grandkids wouldn't have to. He drank the bitter cup, church, in order to satisfy the Father. And after he drank of that cup, after he drank of the wrath that had com- uh, accumulated in the cup, you see, that cup was full of, full of God's wrath and punishment towards our sin. It was just building up in the cup. It was building. I'm not talking about a physical cup. I'm talking about a spiritual cup. I'm talking about the sentence of death that would come against the, uh, the, the sinner. And what I want us to understand, church, is that, is that that cup was filled with wrath because, uh, toward our sin. It was our lust. It was our pride. It was our greed. It was our impurities. It was our fornication. It was our adultery. It was our jealousy. It was our gossip. It was our envy. It was our hatred. All the wrath towards all of those things, church, was filled up in that cup. And that cup was reserved for us. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago, 
offered mercy and offered grace. And he said, I will drink of that cup so they don't have to. And when Jesus finished the cup, when he drank it all, then he opened up his mouth, the Bible says. And with a loud voice, he said, it is finished. And when he did, Matthew also tells us when he cried out, it is finished. I want you to understand that the the ground began to tremble. The Bible tells us that the temple began to shake. You know the story. Jesus cried out, it's finished. And the, the ground began to tremble. And the temple began to shake. And that veil that once separated us from God... That veil that once kept us from the presence of God and the pardon of God and the promise of God and the favor of God and the blessings of God and the intimacy we might have with God. That veil was rent in two from the top to the bottom by the hands of God himself. Because Jesus finished the work that the Father sent Him to do. And that work was to redeem us like we talked about last week. That work, that work was to rescue us from the fowler and rescue us from the foe. God reached down and He rent that veil in two, giving us access to the Father. I want you to understand what that meant when God rent that veil in two, what that meant to all of us. Where that Jesus' work was done. Jesus' work was finished. That, that veil represented the old covenant. And what God did is He said, I'm going to take that covenant because of the sacrifice of My Son, and I'm going to rip it in half. And that's what the veil represented. It represented the old covenant, and God said that old covenant is now done. Jesus completed the work. He was the once and for all sacrifice for our sin, and He allowed us now to have access to the Father because Jesus finished His work. Are you thankful that He finished, church? The old covenant was torn in two. The old contract was ripped in half, and a new covenant was forged, and a new covenant was signed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And God was satisfied forever. It was finished. The price was paid forever for our peace. The price was paid forever for our pardon. It was paid forever for our joy. It was paid forever for our rest. It was paid forever for our healing. It is finished, church. For centuries, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 12, that every priest, every priest stood daily ministering and offering time after time after time the same exact sacrifices. Because the the sacrifices or the blood of bulls and goats was not enough to take away the sins of men. But verse 12 says, but he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for all sin, for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down. That might not mean anything to you, but what that means is that Jesus sat down because he was finished. Jesus sat down because he was done. Jesus sat down because there was nothing more to do. And the reality is Jesus rested. I know that he was hung up on a cross. I know he went through agony and pain, but he rested just like God did at the beginning of time. When God finished what he started, he rested. Jesus, when he finished what he started, he rested, church. That may be hard for us to understand, but what God wants us to do is to rest in what Jesus finished. He wants us to rest in that, have confidence in that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. 
He sat down because his work of redemption was finished on Calvary's cross. He sat down because he was the once and for all sacrifice for our sins, church. The sacrifice that satisfied the Father forever. No more bulls, no more goats, no more rams. I don't know about you, church, but I'm glad I don't have to bring a bull to to church every week. I'm glad I don't got to bring a goat to work every week. I'm glad I don't have to go down there to the farmyard and pick up some kind of lamb and bring it to the house of God. I'm glad that once and for all, Jesus paid the price that I had to pay. He set me free. It is finished, Jesus said. It is finished. And he sat down. The priests couldn't sit down. Because they were continually making sacrifice. They were continually ministering. They were not allowed to sit down. Bull after bull and ox after ox and sheep after sheep and goat after goat. Time after time. Because the blood of bulls and rams was not enough to satisfy the Father forever. It satisfied the Father for 365 days. And then they had to do it all over again. Constant sacrifice. Constant offering. Time after time after time. Because the blood of bulls and goats was not enough to cure our sinful condition. There was only one type of blood that was able to cure our sinful condition. And that was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That was shed on Calvary's cross. The blood of bulls and goats was not good enough to settle the debt church. It was not enough to to give us rest. But Jesus, after three and a half years of public ministry, after pouring himself out like a drink offering, after drinking the entire cup of our suffering while hanging on an old rugged cross, he said, it is finished. My work is done. I can now sit down because the price has been paid. It is finished. Amen. Amen. The word that Jesus used for finished in the Greek is tetelestai. And it's an accounting term that means paid in full. It means nothing owed. It means there's no balance due. It means the debt has been fully paid. And every time back then, and even now, but every time back then, when a contract was entered into, where something was sold, there was a receipt that was given to the individual who paid the price. And at the bottom of that receipt was stamped the word titalestai, meaning it was paid in full. Meaning that there's zero balance due. Meaning that no one could come and try to collect later. And what you need to understand, that same thing happens today out in the business world. You're going to go spend a lot of money. You want to make sure that somebody writes on there paid in full. Because you don't want some bill collector coming and knocking at your door. You don't want some bill collector calling you in the middle of the night. You want evidence, amen, that it's been paid in full. And 2,000 years ago, what you and I need to understand is that when Jesus cried out, it is finished, it meant that the price has been paid in full. And his blood was the evidence of that payment. 2,000 years ago when Jesus shed his blood, the blood was the evidence of that payment, church. It was the receipt for that payment. The receipt for our release. It was the receipt for our righteousness. It was the receipt for our acceptance. It was the receipt for our blessings. It was the receipt for our pardon. It was the receipt for our peace and our joy and our rest. 
The receipt, church, the evidence of that payment was the blood of Jesus Christ. Been paid in full. What's that mean? That means when the devil tries to come and collect. That means when the enemy tries to say you owe something. When the neighbor, when the friend, when someone else says you've got to do something in order to receive it. It's already been paid. You say, "Uh uh-uh, Satan. Uh Uh-uh, devil. It's been paid in full. I've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now listen, if you've not been covered in the blood, you got some punishment coming. If you're not covered in the blood, you got some wrath coming. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so you wouldn't have to suffer that punishment and you wouldn't have to suffer that wrath. He finished it for you. He finished it for me. He finished it for anyone that simply would receive and believe on the work of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross. But if you don't have the blood of Jesus, that cup of wrath is building up. And you need to turn to Jesus and you need to say, Father, forgive me. I thank you for the finished work and I receive your forgiveness. And I, I receive your pardon. You are forgiven, church. That's what it means. But how many of you are thankful that we have evidence that the price has been paid? And that price is the blood of Jesus Christ. Understand when Jesus uttered those words, it is finished. He was declaring to the universe that the debt owed to his father was wiped away and completely forever. No balance due, paid in full. Know about you, church, but I'm glad Jesus paid it in full. And what we cannot afford to forget is that Jesus paid our debt, like I said earlier, not his own. He satisfied the father with, with his once and for all sacrifice for our sins. We were the sinner, not Jesus. We were the guilty, not Jesus. We were the transgressors, not Jesus. We were the ones that deserved the sentence of death. We were the ones that that deserved having to drink of the bitter cup, church. But Jesus paid the price in full. He paid it so we wouldn't have to. And that's what we have to live by every day when we go out there into this world and the enemy attacks us. We have to trust and rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's clear from Matthew 27, 50 and Mark 15, 37, that just before Jesus breathed his last breath, it says he cried out with a loud voice. And in John chapter 19, verse 30, the scripture that I gave you, we discover the content of that cry. He didn't just cry a loud moan. According to John, when he cried out with a loud voice, he cried out, it is finished. That was the content of his loud cry. It is finished. What's important about this is that Jesus didn't whisper these words. He wasn't hanging on the cross. He didn't whisper the words. He didn't whimper those words, church. He hoisted himself high. He filled his burning and broken lungs with one more gasp of hot air. And before he offered up his spirit, before he he breathed his last breath, the Bible says he cried out with a loud voice proclaiming that it is finished. It's finished. You see, those words are a shout of victory. Those words are a, a cry of victory. 
Those words were letting the whole world know, letting the universe know, and letting the devil know that he was not going to go out defeated. He was going out of victory, and he was going out of victor, church. He was going out as a conqueror and not the conquered. I want you to know this morning that Jesus wasn't a victim of the cross. He was the victor of the cross. He wasn't conquered by the cross. He conquered the cross. Amen. And it's why we are now more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, because He conquered the cross. He conquered the cross. Cried out with a loud voice, church. And when He did, the Bible tells us again, I'm not wanting to be repetitive, but it says when He cried out with that loud voice of triumph, when He put out that victory cry, that that's when the veil was rent in two. That's when some of the graves were opened wide. That's when some of the captives were set free. And that's when the victory was won because it was finished. At that point in time, everything we needed pertaining to life and godliness was provided. It was finished. Everything we needed for successful Christian living was provided and completed on Calvary's cross. Everything we needed for victory in every and any area of our life was provided on Calvary's cross. That's what it is finished meant, church. It's finished. Please understand. Jesus' cry was a victory cry. Not a cry of defeat like he said. It was the cry of the victor and not the victim. Because those who are defeated, they go out with a whimper. Those who are defeated, they go out with a whine. Those that are defeated, they go out grumbling and complaining. But Jesus did none of those. Jesus in the middle of his pain. Jesus in the middle of his shame. Jesus in the middle of his anguish. Jesus in the middle of his suffering. He put pressure on the bottom nail. He put pressure on his arms and his hand. And he hoisted himself up high enough to fill his lungs with breath. And he shouted out a victory cry. It is finished. Amen. Amen. We need to be careful what comes out of our mouth, church. We, we need to be careful that, that we don't act like losers instead of victors. I want you to know that the loser goes out whining and the loser goes out grumbling and the loser goes out complaining and the loser goes out whimpering. Jesus did none of that. Jesus was a victor. When you talk like you're a loser, it's whining and it's complaining. I didn't see Jesus hanging on the cross. Oh, woe is me. At the end of it being finished, He rose up strong. He rose up and said, it's finished. And you know what? That's what God wants you to do when you're going through your heartaches. You're going through your headaches. You're going through your trying times. And you're going through your trial and tribulation. If you're part of the team, you can come out for music. I'm going to start winding this down, but I'm not closed yet. I just want you to understand what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to go through life, go through your trials, go through your tribulations. Listen, when you feel like you're on that cross, when you feel like the enemy's round about you, when you feel like you're at your last breath, when you feel like there's no hope, 
When you feel like you've gone too far. When you feel like the burden's too heavy. When you feel like the Father's forsaken you like Jesus felt as soon as He got up on the cross. When you feel that way, we must be like Jesus. We've got to hoist ourselves up high. We've got to lift up our heads. And we've got to lift up our eyes. And we've got to lift up our hands. And we've got to lift up our voice. And we need to say, it is finished. Amen. It's finished. It's finished. I'm in the middle of my suffering, but it's finished. I can rest in the finished work of God. Lying in a hospital bed, facing sickness. It's finished. It was finished. That's one area that we really don't believe. We don't believe that that healing, divine healing, was part of the, the new covenant. By His stripes, we are healed. Far too often we don't believe that, church. We don't pray that way. We don't live that way. We don't act that way. All I'm telling you is there are times in your life where you cannot act like the victim. You've got to hoist yourself up high, as painful as it might be, as difficult as it might be. And you need to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. I'm going to start winding this down. Like I said at the beginning, you know that I preached last week, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But I really believe the Holy Spirit wants us to live so, church. Wants us to live so. It's great that we all have a testimony. It's great that we all have a story to tell. But the reality is God wants us to live like we're redeemed. He wants us to act like we're redeemed. He just doesn't want us to tell our story and then walk around like this, like we're defeated. That's not victory. That's not how conquerors act. And that's not how victors act. How many of you know you are more than a conqueror? More than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. And that's the way we're supposed to live. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. He wants us to live like we're free and talk like we're free and and act like we're free. He wants us to live and move and breathe like it's finished, church. Not like God still has something to do for us. Please understand the devil has been defeated and the victory is ours, church. We should be the ones shouting, it's finished. We should be the ones shouting, it is titelestai. The price has been paid in full. There's no more balance due. Listen, you you don't have to walk through life with a balance due notice on you. Because of what Jesus did, you can walk free. Because of what Jesus did, free from accusation, free from guilt, free from shame, doesn't want you to bear that. He doesn't want you to carry that. I told you last week that it was for freedom that Jesus set you free, not for bondage. He wants us to be free, church. So I close this out. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, Moses speaks to the people and he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God, He is God. The faithful God. The faithful God. How many of you know we serve a faithful God? Amen. He's the one that follows through. He's the one that keeps his word. When he speaks, he acts. When he promises, he fulfills. Amen. He is the God who finishes what he starts. He never leaves anything undone. 
And He won't leave you undone either. How many of you know He will not leave you undone? Because Paul, amen, Paul tells me in Philippians 1.6, I am confident in this, that He who began a good work in you will finish that work or bring that to completion. Amen? How many of you are thankful that God's going to finish the work that He started? How many of you are thankful He started a good work? Amen? Here's my closing thought before I invite you, if the Holy Spirit so leads. But here's the last truth I want you to have. What God did for me, what God did for you is finished. What He did for you, what He did for me, it's finished. He doesn't have to do it again. But what He's doing in you and what He's doing with you, it's not finished. What He's doing with me and what He's doing in me, it's not finished. When Jesus found me, He started a good work. Amen? He found me on October 18, 1981, playing make-believe in a youth choir at the back of Calvary, Wincote Calvary Assembly of God in Wincote, Pennsylvania. I was playing make-believe in the youth choir. But Jesus got a hold of me, and He began a good work on that day. Amen? And I want you to know that I'm standing here because He's still doing that work. And He's doing a work in you. And He's doing a work in you. And He will not finish until that work is done. He won't finish until the clouds open up. He won't give up on you. I don't care how far you've been. I don't care how dirty someone has told you you are. God will not give up on you. I don't know when it was, but he started a good work somewhere. You might have wandered. You might have waned. You might be running. You might not be doing the Father's will. Oh, but let me tell you, he who began a good work will finish that work. He's not going to give up. He's not going to grow weary, not going to grow tired. He won't wane when I wane. He won't turn his back when I turn my back. He won't give up when I stumble and I fall and I make a mistake. When I grieve him, he will keep on working, church, and working and working and working. How many of you are thankful that you got a father that's going to keep on working? Amen. Stand up to your feet because here's how we're closing. I don't want to muster anything up, but I don't want you to go home broken. I don't want you to go home incomplete. So here's what the Holy Spirit is saying. I know we're glad that He finishes the work that He starts. But I'm going to be the first one standing right here that says, God, I still got some work to do. You got some work to do in me. There's still some flaws. There's still some rough edges. There's still some of the old man. There's still some proclivities that I might have. But I thank you, God, that He who began a good work We'll finish that work. If you're here this morning and you say, God, I need you to keep working. I just want you to lift up your hand. God, I got some areas in my life that need some work. Amen. If you're willing, because I'm not in a rush and God's not, I hope you're not. But if you're here this morning and you say, God, I need you to do a good work today. Today, I need a good work. Today, I need you to do something in my marriage. Today, I need you to do something in my heart. 
Today, I need you to do something with my son or my daughter. Today, I need you to do a good work. If that's you, they're going to sing. Whatever it is, I want you to just make your way. Tarry a little bit. You can do it right where you're seated. But if you want to make that extra effort and say, God, I'm just here to let you do a work. As they sing, you come. Amen. Thank you, sister. Just sing. Prayer team, you come and minister with them. Find out what their need is and let God do a work. Otherwise, just worship him and thank him. Come on, church, make your way. If you need anything, he who began a good work. Thank you, Jesus. Just going to tarry and wait.